We are very excited about this week's show, but before we do, we have Jesse Ledoux, our queen of coaching with our product special of the week. Jesse, tell us what you got. So pageant girls, we all need a go-to super sky high pageant shoe. And that is, of course, famous in the industry, Chinese Laundry's tippy top shoe. So that is absolutely our product of product of the week. Awesome. Okay, so tell us what's unique about this shoe, what phases of competition it's good for, and why it's like legendary. It's legendary because it's so flexible for different outfits. So it is the go-to for swimsuit. It makes your legs look so long and lean. It's got about a two-inch platform with about a six-inch heel. So it works great if you need to add some extra height or if you're already supermodel tall. It just makes, again, your legs look so sleek and slender and toned. Um, And that's why it's legendary. And then, too, think about it from an appearance perspective. A nude shoe goes with every single outfit in your closet. So it's a really quick and easy go-to. So that platform is really the difference maker because, one, it makes that shoe more comfortable in the sense – more comfortable six-inch heel. That's hilarious. It makes it more comfortable because, one, there's a layer – of material between your foot and the floor because if you're wearing high heels without a platform it can be really harsh on your foot and your knee and your joints and your legs so that's one benefit the other is it decreases the steep the steepness of the heel itself so yes it's a six inch heel but it's really only a um it's really only a distance of about four inches so which makes it more tolerable for long periods of wear and comfortable on stage and i I was at Miss Earth United States, gosh, it was last weekend at the time of this recording. It'll be a few weekends ago. And I was counting how many girls I saw wear the tippy tops. And it, it had to have been like 60 or 70% during the fashion runway. During the actual pageant, they had to wear um, a different designer shoe. But it was the vast majority was the, the tippy top. Um, okay, so tell them where they can get it. it. Do you have a special deal on it? Give us the deets. Yeah, so Tippy Tops run for about $79, but for you podcast listeners, of course, we have a great deal. You can get them for 20% off, which rounds out to between $63 and $65, depending on where you live for tax purposes. You can get them by visiting pageantplanet.com backslash podcast, and when you're hitting checkout, make sure to use the coupon code podcast. And then when they do the coupon code podcast, that will save them the 20%, right? Absolutely. Yep. You got it. So it'll be regular price until you enter that coupon code. That is the difference maker. And as always, free shipping, free returns. Boom. And it's only good for a week, right? Yes. So right when you're listening to this, when you're listening to the rest of this podcast, I want you to go on right now and make that order because you don't want to miss this deal. Tippy tops very rarely go on sale because they are a classic. So this is the perfect opportunity. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the call today. Jesse Ledoux and I, we are going to discuss how to compete with that hard to verbalize, even scary pageant platform. So, Jesse, set the stage for us. I love that pageant girls are getting braver with their platforms. I think it's really exciting to see women take a stand for causes that are important to them. But at the same token, pageantry as an industry has been historically conservative. So there is a happy medium that has to happen when you are introducing, I love that you use the word scary because it's true, a scary platform topic. So today's call is all about 
how can we find that happy medium to present a topic that you're passionate about with, without alienizing any demographics? Okay, so let's, so we're all talking about a few of the same platforms. Give us some examples of scary platforms. Yeah, some scary platforms, um, PTSD. It's a very hot topic, but there is a stigma around it. And that's mental health in general. And I would even go as far to say depression. Can you imagine calling a kindergarten and saying you want to talk to kids about depression? It's just it, they're going to hang up on you nine times out of ten. But it's an important topic, right? So we need to figure out how you can manipulate it so that it works for each age bracket. Um, so PTSD, mental health, depression is one. Human trafficking, such an underrated civic issue that does not get enough exposure. But again, imagine being in an auditorium full of women or people and an audience talking about various topics like heart disease, like breast cancer, and then human trafficking. It's a huge um, differentiation there. So that's another. Um, one of my favorite platforms that is so difficult to talk about is feminine hygiene in underdeveloped countries or birth control in underdeveloped countries. And again, can you imagine being a conservative judge hearing a contestant bring that up in private interview? Like their jaws are going to drop. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it needs attention. And I think that is so cool that, that contestants are heading in this direction. But it's tough. And then the last one I'll say would be um, gay rights, which is an emerging topic, or equal rights, gay marriage, et cetera, um, all of which kind of fall into those topics. I remember one of the first contestants to bring this to light that I remember is Claire, Claire Buffy when she was New York and she was competing in America because she was going for like gay marriage. It was gay marriage or gay rights or something of that nature. But as she was competing, it was very controversial because she was the first person to do one of those scary platforms on a national level. For sure. And I'm a huge fan of Claire. I know her well, and I totally admire her stance. And what she did that was really interesting, and she chose that platform because um, it affected her family directly. Her sister um, is gay, and her whole platform was about not gay rights necessarily. She was a huge proponent of that, but it was being a great ally to that entire community. And that's how she spun it in a way that I think was more palatable. And make no mistake, she is fiercely loyal to that platform and she works her tail off as is her whole family. But she also, let's not forget, won People's Choice that year. Mm -hmm. How amazing is that? She chose this crazy topic that pageant people across the country were saying like, wow, I don't know if we're ready for this. And I think she proved that America is ready for pageant contestants to take a real stand. So you're absolutely right. She was really the trailblazer in these hot topics. Well, and we see that, I mean, time and time again, just in life and in pageant in general, if you, if you're one of the first to attack something that everybody else is scared to touch, mm -hmm. then, you know, what you think is going to happen, a lot of persecution, a lot of embarrassment or whatever, that rarely happens, and conversely, what happens is like you get a lot of support. Um, mm -hmm. So, all right, how do you talk about something like feminine hygiene in third world countries in a conservative, you know, Alabama prelim where you have a novice judge who's a straight male? <laughs> like, uh, well, you don't. Um, I'm totally kidding. I'm kidding. It's possible. Um, so. I, I always say when you're formulating your title holder plan or your platform or even so if you don't have a, a pageant with a platform, this kind of conversation can also be appropriate when you're practicing for current events questions that can be polarizing. So don't stop listening. You can keep listening. It's still relevant. I promise. Um, so what I always tell my platform girls is separate your thought process in four ways. Kids, teens, 
adults and ultra conservative. And that way you're able to dissect your plan and say, okay, if I were going to talk to a child about depression, what's the root of depression? It's low self-esteem in many cases. It's obstacles you feel like you can't overcome or it's anxiety. And I think calling up kindergarten, it's a lot easier to say, my platform is about building self-esteem and I would love to come talk to your class. It's a whole different conversation, but it's still within the realm of long-term mental health. So you need to evaluate your audience and move backwards from there. And then we talk about teens. Teens, it's a little more palatable to talk about depression. They're more emotionally mature and they're they're more prepared and their parents are also more prepared to hear you talk about that. And then... Um, Adults, okay, really now we can get into the real deal of depression and how can we fix it? And that's more of like your call to action. Who are you going to ask for? Who are you going to ask and for what? And then finally that conservative. And the conservative often leads towards the most elementary version. Again, going back to like that kid's standpoint, how do we really take a trait that is going to be non-polarizing and adapt it to the audiences? Okay, so if I'm following you, uh, let's say we're talking about something with um, depression, what you do is you angle it to where it's what I'm really talking about is self-esteem, how to believe in yourself. Um, but my platform just deals specifically with people who are going through depression, but you lead yes. with, Hey, this is self-esteem. This is how to like not to fall into the despairs of life is crashing down around me. Um, mm -hmm. but you're just presenting it like, um, self-esteem. Yep. And I forgot you did ask me about the feminine hygiene platform. So let's rewind because okay. I'm sorry. I forgot you mentioned that. No, so if I were hey, going no to break judgment, that down, no judgment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we get on our tangents. Yeah. Um, so let's let's break that down. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my best here. So if I were promoting donations for tampons or pads, et cetera, I would use kids. I would talk about self-care. So kids are learning about their bodies and like, OK, what like let's talk about what's your favorite bath time activity. And I would talk about things like that um, just to like more palatable, something that they all would be able to have in common and relate to. So I would focus that on self care, that little section of it. If I were talking with teens, it's a little easier. So I can talk about, okay, what happens when you get stuck in a situation and you don't have the products that you need? Imagine that happening every single month, every single day of your cycle. And then I would be able to relate it to their experiences so that way, because for teens, you need to really put it in a way that they're going to relate to, to get it. And then when I'm talking with adults, then I can say, I'm looking for donations for sanitary items to send to these underdeveloped countries. And then for conservatives, again, you kind of go back to that um, elementary version. So here's here's my issue because you want to be upfront with what the issue is and then break it down from there. So here's the big picture and here's how we can relate it to you in a way that is not going to make you clutch your pearls. <laughs> clutch your pearls. Um, okay. So when someone is faced with this, okay, this is a burning passion of mine. Maybe it's even like, okay, let's just say that a girl's best friend was raped and she's mm -hmm. like, okay, I don't want this to happen to anybody else. Mm -hmm. So she's probably like, okay, well I can't just start a rape platform. Yep. You know, so take it from where she first sees a big need. That's one of those controversial platforms um, that's not easy to talk about. So I see this need. I know I want to stop rape. Now what? Do I go online and start searching like, hey, are there other organizations out there that I can partner with? Do I look to start my own? 
Yeah, absolutely. I That's a really important topic. And a lot of contestants are gearing towards sexual assault or uh, campus safety for college students, for the, those in the MIST division. That's a huge topic that I hear a lot right now. So yeah, I think you have to, you just have to be the expert on this topic. If you're going to choose something controversial, you have to be the authority on it. So people trust that you're ready to handle a topic this strong. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Get online, see what organizations already exist. I always say to contestants, I think it's great if you start your own nonprofit. I don't always think it's necessary though, unless you're going to do something that's never been done before or does not already exist because you already have a lot going on as a title holder. If that is your mission to create this nonprofit, by all means, go for it. But I think partnering with an organization that shares your mission actually makes you stronger as a title holder, um, which I think is the opposite perception because now you have a vehicle that's not just you. You can align yourself, show that you're uh, dedicated, that you're reliable, that you are able to, to forward their mission without distracting them. So I think it does work best if you're alongside. And then the other is to look at both sides of the spectrum. So you can not only have to be an expert on the pro side, like why it's important to have this education in the community, but also that, okay, how can I, how can I balance this and understand why people are tentative to talk about it? Because in those situations where you get that judge that is totally opposite on the spectrum, you have to still show them that you acknowledge their beliefs, their opinions, and it's and validate them for having those thoughts and opinions, not saying, well, this you're absolutely wrong. This is not acceptable. Find out where they're coming from in your research. Find out why anybody that would say they're uncomfortable with your platform or they don't agree with your platform, have a counter argument ready. But I say argument tentatively because again, it's a pageant, you win more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. So you have to consider both sides. For the girls that are doing research on pageant platforms, what's the website that you and I were talking about a few weeks ago that you use where you can find volunteer opportunities in your neighborhood? That we- yeah, the site, yeah, the site that I love is volunteermatch.org. Gotcha. And it- and- other site I would suggest, so volunteermatch.org is the first and where you can find opportunities. The other is the skim. So volunteer match is where you find organizations like your platform that you want to kind of maybe align with. And then the skim is how you find concrete real life information, current events that pertains to that platform. So that way you have the partnership and you have the information side by side. That's great. So anything else in this topic that you feel like would be pertinent that I didn't ask you about that would be good for the girl to know, especially going into interview or, um, well, I do have a question about like the thing like Nam. Sure. Like Nam, the interview is one minute long. Is it still good for a a contestant to have a really well-developed platform, whether it's controversial or not inside Mm -hmm. like the Nam organization? I definitely think so. And we work with our VIP girls in, in, the National American Miss system quite a bit on platform development. And even more so than platform development, it's plan development. Because when you get to NAM nationals, or even a NAM state pageant is hugely competitive. Every single girl there is well-spoken, presents themselves well, and is going to have a great wardrobe. So how do you differentiate yourself? It's showing that judge that you have a plan to leave your mark on the world. And NAM loves a girl who's ready to leave her mark on the world. They're, what's their what's their tagline? I am a girl with dreams. Yeah. So or it's promoting great confidence. if you know your favorite color when you love your school clubs. But 
in national American myths, they want a girl that's going to dream big. How are you going to impact the world in a huge way? So it's, it's very relevant for contestants in any system, whether it's outright platform or not, to be ready for this kind of conversation. Got it. Okay. Now, anything else do, should we mention uh, regarding this uh, for the girls that are going in the competition or their interview? Yeah, I think there's one other thing to consider, and that's a call to action, because you can educate the public all you want on these topics. I think if you take it a step further and say, okay, if you're intrigued by this and you want to help, here's what you can do. Always give people a way to help on their own without really forcing this topic on them. So what can you do to help if you are, um, if you want to help with human trafficking? Maybe it's sharing a video with someone that you know. Maybe it's as simple as just having a conversation with your neighbor. Or if it's, um, if it's PTSD or if it's um, troops rights or military rights, maybe there's a petition that they can sign that you want to point them in that direction to have something tangible that that person can take action on. Because if your focus is making a difference in that topic, be ready to mobilize others. So that call to action makes a big difference in the long run because you are the catalyst for your cause. Allow it to take motion. Don't just let it die with you. I love that too, because in interview, you never hear of a girl like just putting it out there. Hey, if this topic really interests you, like here's what you can do. You can go to XYZ website and get involved. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that soft approach, because um, you're promoting it anyways to the judges yeah. and you want them to have buy-in, for them to have that soft approach, for me, I'd be like, wow, that's, that's really impressive. And if I'm to give her the crown, she would do the same thing to the pageant because mm-hmm. – how you promote your platform is going to, absolutely going to be how you promote the pageant if you are that title holder. So I think that's great. Yeah. And I just want to say to all the girls out there that are considering platform topics, consider your system first and foremost. Is your system ready? And, you know, you might say, you know, it's not ready, but I am. And by all means, like, go for it, sister. This is your time to make a difference. And I love that the girls are ready to take that chance. If you have questions about this type of platform and you want to embrace it and you want to make sure that you're prepared and ready to be completely objective as far as, okay, if I were any judge can see how I've taken this down to a palatable level and you're ready to do that, like shoot us an email, like let us know and we can be happy to talk through that with you or help you set up a coaching call to make sure that you're ready. Um, and we can be your sounding board because we work with systems of all different types. And if you are going from a system like MAO that anything goes into a system um, that's not necessarily as current events driven, it's going to be difficult to transition and we're here for you. So sometimes you just need that sounding board. Yeah. And if they wanted to reach out to you to get you as a sounding board, what's your email address so that they could do that? Yes. My email address is jesse, J-E-S-S-E at thepageantplanet.com. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. Want to ask your questions to the title holders and professionals we interview? Become a VIP girl today and get unlimited coaching from the Pageant Planet. Plus, ask as many questions as you'd like for only $47.